Hey guys, it's Mitch. Welcome back to Just Friends. And here we are. I know it's felt like a super long week, but it is finally here. The time has come. The highly anticipated event, the culmination of my conversation with Mr. David Vandelberg. I know you've all been waiting for it. I hope that you enjoy listening to it. And now, without further ado, here it is. Part two of our friend, Mr. David Vandelberg. There's a lot of our friends who have had varying success in college. Yeah. Um, There's some of our friends who started college and weren't able to finish it. There are a lot of our friends who started college and just did it exactly how it's supposed to be done from start to finish and just nailed it. But you and I were in college for a long fucking time. Oh, yeah. Time. It was a freaking career. I got my, it was, I, I was, it took me like eight years to get a bachelor's yeah. degree. And like, I never got good at it either. Gosh. Cause I remember even like, um, even graduating was just, it was just a pain. Cause I remember like, all right, I just like, we had to write like, like a 25 to 30 page paper yeah. on like a topic. It was like the first time that like, I felt like, like, like you're basically becoming like an expert in like something specific. Like it was like a minified version of like becoming like a, a doctorate in something. Right. And so I did mine on like racial profiling or whatever. And I remember I was like studying like, a, like way more, probably, I probably did more work on that than I did ever did in the rest of college. And so, like, I spent a lot of time, and I made sure that I had this, like, thing nailed down. And I was like, I'm going to wait around on the last day of school, and I'm going to turn this thing in. Well, then I also had a, like, intro to, like, journalism class. Something super easy that I knew was going to be super easy. I could just knock out. And so I had a two-page paper due. So I'm, like, writing a 30-page paper. So I can obviously write, like, a pretty considerable amount pretty easily. Mm -hmm. I had a two-page paper due that day, the same day that a 30-page paper was due to like on some random topic for this journalism class. And the professor said that if you don't turn in this two page paper, he's going to mark it incomplete and you won't get a grade until you turn in the two page paper. So I remember I waited around at school. I was like, I'm going to wait around, turn in this paper and then wait around a couple more hours and I'll go turn in the stupid two page paper and then I can just be done. It kind of like almost like signify that like, like, like as a hand in the last piece of paper that I'm done, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, so I even like stayed around. I wrote the two page paper while I was there that day. I mm-hmm. the time I walk in there, hand it in to him, you know, and then I leave. Well, then a couple of days later I get an email from my advisor and she's like, you know, you can't graduate with this incomplete. I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, you have an incomplete on here. I'm like, it, is it from, you know, the criminal justice class? She's like, no, it's from this intro to journalism. <laughs> I'm like, you have to be kidding me. Like this stupid intro to journalism class I took because <laughs> it was so easy that it's going to hold me up from graduating. Well, I ended up like the professor, like I emailed him. I was like, hey, I turned in this paper. I remember you talking to me about this. Because what happened, there was two page pa- two papers due that day. Yeah. One that was like our normal, like weekly paper and then a project paper. And I turned them both on top, one on top of the other. Yeah. And he had a grade for one of them. So I think what happened was he saw the one, graded it, staples probably held them together, and he just threw both away. And so I was like, hey, if you have one, you should have the other one because they were on top of each other. Um, You know, what do I need to do to get this incomplete removed? And all he said was, you need to turn in a paper, and then just like didn't respond back for two weeks. And I was like, this guy's killing me. Like my advisor's like trying to get me extensions, all this stuff. I'm like going up to school, checking like... Like I went to like, 
I checked my computer at the computer ad school, trying to find like a copy of it, you know, because they because they wipe everything at the end of the semesters. Yeah. And uh, I ended up just writing in like a a bullshit paper and sending it back to him, and like still hadn't heard from him three weeks at this point. I'm like, look, I've done everything. I don't know why you're not responding. You know, I'm trying to graduate. Mm-hmm. And he finally responded. He was just like, oh, I'm sorry, I went on vacation. Oh, yeah. I'm like, oh, you asshole, like. But that, that's pretty much like my whole college career was just stuff like that. I would just do that. stupid stuff where I was like, yeah. Oh, I would do the same yeah. thing. I would do the same thing where like I knew I was supposed to do something and then I'd wait to the last yeah. minute. And I think the biggest, the biggest like turnaround for me was a political science class. And it was one that I like had to take just because I kept putting off other ones. Yeah. So I eventually had to take like a 400 level political science class which was a different um there, there were, it was similar to criminal justice but it was like a lot different um it was, it was more geared towards people who wanted to get into law yeah. which was really cool because it ended up helping out like i feel like everybody who took that it changed their trajectory a lot because it was set up more like a debate okay so he would show up you had these huge textbooks and it was all like the class was the constitutional law the freedom of religion or the first amendment freedom of religion press and all that speech. And it was mainly, we only talked about freedom of religion and freedom of speech. And the book was probably around 2000 pages thick. (laughs) I just nothing but cases. Oh, case studies from from the Supreme court on these topics. So what happened was he would just show up at like the class was at from seven o'clock until 10 o'clock. 7 a.m. until 10? No, no, no. 7 at night until 10 o'clock. Man, that might even be worse. How often? It was even uh, twice a week. Okay. And so what would happen was he would get there at 7 o'clock and meet, like on the dot, would start talking. As soon as he walked in those doors, he would just start talking. So you had to have your stuff ready at 7 o'clock. And he would talk to probably about 11 o'clock at night. So an hour passed when you were supposed to leave. Holy crap. Yeah. And he would just do nothing but talk. And then he would talk about these case studies and we just randomly call on people. And what he would do is he would call on you and then you either knew the answer or you didn't. And if it looked like you didn't know the answer, he would just immediately cut you off and call on somebody else. But then when you answered, he would give you a grade. He would say like gold star, silver star, bronze star. Probably need to read a little bit more. He would say stuff like that. And uh, I remember going there and immediately just being like, okay, I don't know what's going on. Like, I've never seen a case study in my, and they're really boring because they're, they're written like a lawyer would write them. So that was the main thing. The other thing was as a political science teacher, he hated criminal justice students. (laughs) So I remember him calling on me and me giving an answer and then him just saying, well, you maybe just need to read a little bit more. And he went on and called somebody else and then made it a point when they answered to be like, gold star and then looked at me oh, man. and i was like okay like all right this bitch i get you so i'm gonna i'm gonna take you down so i remember i would just like study like way harder than i needed to and then you had to not only learn the stuff but you had to learn to talk as like a lawyer would talk or as a professor would talk and his tests were really hard because he would give you five questions these five questions would be like over like 300 pages of text because they're all like case studies and you had to figure out the like the trajectory of a certain like thinking in law and he would only pick two of them. So you had to study all five and he would have two of them that you had to, yeah. So I remember just like, like I would study so, I would just stay up at the school. Like I think my last class was usually at like three o'clock and then I had like a seven o'clock. So I would just go to the library and just study and then I'd go. Well, one time I went there and like I just started, 
He, he like called me randomly and I just answered. I knew everything about this question. And like, I even knew like his follow up question before he asked. <laughs> and like, I said it. And he just goes, Very good, Van Tilburg. Bronze star. Oh, I was like, Fuck you. Man. But then like, he kind of gave me a smile and I'd see him around school and he'd be like, That was a very good job the other day. Yeah. And I was like, Yeah, bitch. It's a freaking criminal job. But, anyways, what was cool about that was. It ended up like changing, like me and a couple other people that were in that class that I also had other classes with. It changed the way we approached school yeah. to the point where we, we even started thinking like lawyers because we would take other criminal justice classes like criminal defense or like uh, forensics, and we would have to do like little mock uh, mock uh, courtrooms. Mm-hmm. And one was Casey Anthony. Oh, yeah, that was a, that was a cool because that, that was a cool one because when like, it was I, happening. Yeah, this one was happening. Yeah. But we did, uh, no, it was right after it happened because we had the whole thing. It had all like the stuff that was. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. And so I was part of the defense, but because like everybody hated Casey Anthony and knew about it, I knew everything that the prosecution was going to throw at us. Yeah. And I remember I just shut the whole thing down because the, uh, the, uh, the, like the head prosecution was like, well, you need to prove why this this doesn't matter and i was just like well actually i don't prove anything it's it's your burden to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that that my client did this Mm -hmm. and the press was like damn that's that's a pretty good point and they could and they couldn't so they shut it down but where where it carried off in other classes was we had a social sociology or no social psychology class and it ended up being more like a uh, english class because we had to write papers every week because it's like one of those where it only meets like or it meets every, no, it was one of those where it met every day in summer. It was like one of those really short classes. Yeah. And yeah, and we had to write a paper. And I remember everybody wrote like the first like two or three papers. And she finally came in and said, I'm going to just like fail everybody because you all cannot write. There's so many grammatical errors and everything in this. And then finally, after like a couple of these like classes, it's finally just like, why are we taking this? Like she can't fail like she could literally fail all of us for this, but there's no way she would want to. Cause we would all just go to the Dean and say like, Hey, we're, this is social psychology. We're not even being graded on content. So one day she shows up and she starts to do it again. And we just saw her like, no, she's like, she just got mad. We are like, listen, you could either a fail us all, or we could all go to the Dean right now. Cause you're, you're grading us on our, you know, on our ability on our grammar abilities, not on our abilities to talk about social psychology. And then she's like changed her tune after that. Yeah. Cause I mean, that's fair. Yeah. Now that I was, now there's no excuse cause there's things like Grammarly. Yeah. Which is amazing. A gangster. Yes. Yeah. And so, citation now. And yeah. All it's just, it's, it really is now just kind of synthesized down into who has the best thought. Yeah. Cause everything else that kind of goes into the pain which staking things. Yeah. It's tight. But you did eventually end up getting a bachelor's degree in criminal justice. All right, guys, we'll get back to the show in just a second. Now, I know it might seem a little bit weird for me to do an ad for my own podcast on my podcast, but I think there are a few things that I'd like to share with you guys that I haven't done a good job of expressing so far. First off, if you're listening to this, thank you so much. I'm so excited that there's so much interest and energy right now surrounding this podcast. And I hope that excitement means that you guys see the value in it. There's just not enough chances for us to have conversations like these. 
and I really just want to try to make my friends more accessible to each other. And that's where you come in. I've been trying to share this with people to the best of my ability, but I need help. I think there are a lot of people that we know who would really enjoy listening and who would really see the value of getting to reconnect with people that they used to really appreciate, but just grew apart from over time. So if you like what you're hearing and you think other people would too, please share the Facebook page, share the Instagram, but most importantly, send links to the website and let people know that it exists. And I'll try my best to take care of the rest. At the end of the day, nobody's going to listen to a crappy podcast, so (laughs) I'm going to do my best to make sure that this isn't one. And if you're listening on iTunes and Apple Podcasts, please leave us a rating and a review if you have time. It actually really helps. It it moves us to the higher up in the search queue when you search Just Friends. You might have noticed there's quite a few Just Friends podcasts out there, so the higher up we get in that list, the better. Again, I'm so grateful for all of you that are listening to this. And if there's a specific person that you'd like to hear on the show, let me know. I've been talking to a lot of old friends recently, so I won't take up any more of your time. I love you guys. Thank you all so much for listening. Let's get back to the show. We talk, we've, we've spent a lot of time talking about college, which is cool, but we really started to become close because I asked you to play music at church. Yeah, that's where it became most consistent, yeah. When you, like, how do you feel about all of that, really, I guess? Going to Life Song, it was just mainly just, uh, it was just fun to play music. And have friends. Yeah. There's cool people there. Yeah. But the religious side of it was never really something that interests you too much. It, it really wasn't a big part of it, no. Yeah. It was for me at first. Like, I never liked, like, I, I don't know, like, one of the biggest, like, one of the, like, I, I quit playing music because mainly well i got really busy but also i just felt disingenuous and uh-huh. in, in the the way that i hated playing the music yeah. like i hated the music we were actually playing but then like i was like okay if i'm looking at who needs to be in these positions it doesn't need to be me mm-hmm. so that's why i kind of step back and i can appreciate that and, and i want to let you know and jeff know because he might be listening to this too That when you guys left, the only thing I felt was envious. (laughs) Definitely not angry or disappointed in you guys at all. But I was at a wedding not too long ago with Sarah, and we ran into a guy, and I started chatting with him, and he was a really nice guy. And uh, he he told me that he was a youth pastor for a church that was his job. Mm -hmm. Uh, But he also told me that he was an atheist and that he didn't believe at all. Yeah. Um. And I asked him, you know, he and I hadn't told him about myself. You know, this was just something that he was dealing with. And I hadn't really confided in him about th- that I was in almost as, the exact same situation. And I asked him how he reconciled himself with it. And he said, yeah, he hadn't oh. completely yet. You know, like yeah. he was doing this job because it was his job. his job. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he didn't know what he was going to do or how he was going to change it. And I realized in that moment that he had two choices. Well, he had three choices, but only two of them seemed sustainable. One of those choices was to fully commit and just say, I'm not going to be wishy-washy anymore. This is what I've decided to believe, so I'm going to believe it. Or he had the choice to completely abandon it, which is a really, really hard thing to do. Or he could do the unsustainable thing, which was 
continue to lie like this and live this this incongruous lifestyle where he was two different people at the same time and it would eventually fall apart in some capacity yeah and then i realized you know that's those are my choices too yeah. <laughs> i was like fuck <laughs> <laughs> and so now you know i went through with it today yeah it was a big deal yeah um but but at the same time uh you didn't wake up one day and say i'm going to do it this way at, at some point it switched over from you're doing it because you believe to you're doing it because they need help with that position. Uh, but, right. but the, and then that point it muddies the water and you forget. And also you're probably trying to figure out your own things too. Yeah. At that point. You're right. And you're, and you're, and you're providing a perspective that the listener doesn't have that I should. Yeah. I felt trapped. I felt like I had to stay, but all of those things were excuses. Yeah. And I have made a conscious decision to be the type of person who doesn't let excuses stop me, or at least to try to be the type of person who doesn't let excuses stop me from doing what I know is right for me. Yeah. And if I'm going to try to teach people, if I'm going to try to live an honest and genuine life and think of myself as a good person, I can't also be lying to a whole group of people. So yeah. it was what I had to do. Yeah. And now I can make this podcast and now I can release anything that I say on it and not have to feel bad about it. I think so I stayed a little bit quiet on social media because I didn't I couldn't really be myself and then I wanted to curate a very specific image of myself but then I didn't want to be I didn't want to be fake also and have like a real preachy bible appearance on there so I just didn't contribute to social media very much. Yeah. And I'm glad that I didn't because I feel like social media can be a little bit of a trap. You curate this person that's supposed to be you. Yeah. And then you have to be that person, whether you are that person or not. And that sucks. I heard a really good um, argument, though, that it's really that's who we are anyways. Really? So social media just highlights it. Like you think about it. You go to meet somebody new. You're always going to point your, your best self. Mm -hmm. Like when you met Sarah's parents. You were a specific version of yourself. Oh, absolutely. When you when you would go on a date with a girl, you were a specific version of yourself. When you meet somebody like that you admire, you're like so like like different scenarios, you act a certain way. So I think like and I think it can go two ways. One way is people like on Instagram and everything, they're like trying to show a specific version of themselves. And that version is that they go on vacation a lot or they yeah. they do all these fun things when really they're like depressed. Or they show the true version of themselves right. where they feel like now that's their domain and they argue with people or they're like very like crass or like, yeah, you, you, you know, so I feel like it's just like, it just exposes who people really are. And so I think like, I don't think it's social media's fault that this stuff is happening. I think it's just like, that's just what people will do. Yeah, I see that. But I think that's probably why I don't like social media very much. That's why I'm so attracted to the podcast because I feel like you can't really get much more intimate than sitting and listening to me talk. Yeah. Like, it, you might as the only difference is, is I'm not in the room with you. Well, that's the thing is like when people post on social media, there's no feedback immediately. It's like you start talking to somebody, they give you a weird look or like yeah. surprise, then you have immediate feedback. Okay, what I said was probably wrong or like yeah. what I said was probably right, you know? And that's where it becomes, I don't know. I think it's just like that feedback. But sometimes I wish I was the type of person that would like argue on f social media. Really? I was just like, man, because you see, like, but that's like a that's like a rabbit hole to get down, yeah. you know. 
But you just see like you see bad information and then you just see like just bad people and it's just I I've definitely will see bad information sometimes and really want to contribute wisdom. Yeah. But it's that it's you can't you can't received. do it on no. Facebook, man. You cannot. That, that's why I say I wish I was that type of person. But at the same time, I'm glad I'm not. A lot of times, like I feel like when people share stuff that's it could be they're taken out of context. That's how they truly believe. It's just like their interpretation of the world. Yeah. So like I think as long as you're able to explain your interpretation of the world or give meaning to it, that's. That's where it won't be taken out of context. Convey that meaning to yeah, other people yeah. in, in a way that they understand. Because I haven't read the book, but you brought up Malcolm Gladwell earlier, that talking to strangers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the basic thing is we apply our own understanding of the world onto other people, and that's where miscommunication comes from. Yeah. And so I think I see that a lot. Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, it's, let's say it's a huge problem. That, that just goes on every facet of life, your relationships, your so I just got done reading all of Yuval Noah Harari's books. So I read Sapiens, then I read Homo Deus, and then full disclosure, I actually haven't finished 21 Lessons for the 21st Century yet. Yeah. I started to hit a rough patch in my life, and spending that much time really, really deeply thinking about something made me sad, so I had to like shift away from that. Yeah. Um, so I would like to finish that. I would like to read Talking to Strangers. I've really, I haven't read any Malcolm Gladwell. I'm familiar with a lot of his concepts through the zeitgeist, but I've not read any of his literature and I would like to. What are some good things you've been reading lately? Um, I think one of the, 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 the one book that I always suggest to people is Managing Oneself by Peter F. Drucker. Is that that little orange book that you gave yeah, me? I probably, still have it's it. It's probably several in here. It's a really good book. It's like 50 pages. The pages are really small. But it's just all just like information on how to like well manage yourself, yeah. and like the big thing is is to realize what you're good at, mm-hmm. and then what you're not good at, mm-hmm. and it's like the basic is like most people try to, and I guess this is like the kind of what talking to strangers like does is it's kind of the idea of applying your perception of the world onto yourself or other people, and so like managing oneself says is like. Try to figure out who you are and then base your whole life around mm-hmm. that. Figuring out what you're good at and what you're not good at is one of the hardest things in the entire world to do. No, so what it means is like, okay, so you shouldn't try to play basketball, be a professional basketball player if you suck at basketball. Right. Right? But if you're good at talking to people, then maybe you should start a podcast. Yeah. And the whole idea is you go from, I'm trying to think of the the, the main, like there's like main three things. One is like you try to go, it's easier to go from good to great than it is from like bad to mediocre. Yeah. So figure out what your strengths are. And you do those through like, I think it was, um, oh, I can't remember what the phrase was. Basically you write down what you think will happen. Whatever happens, happens. And then you reflect on it and you figure out your strengths from there. The other one was like, you try to pick a job or something that you can believe in. Cause like the whole idea that like you should like, if you do something you love, you'll never work a day in life. You should do something you love for work isn't what most people think or what like researchers think what actually happens. Mm-hmm. They think it is, is people find something they believe in mm-hmm. and then they go to work for doing that and they feel fulfilled based on that. And that doesn't have to be like you do something huge, like social movement or anything like that. Just like maybe you believe in like, you believe that the paperwork you're doing every day at your work is actually helping these other companies that you 
like do surveying for or something, something like that. And you'll be happy because you're, you're doing something that you feel good about. Yeah. You feel like you have purpose. Yeah. The last yeah, you have purpose. And then the last thing was basically you should, once you figure those core things out, you should try to build the rest of your life based on those. Like I mean, by no means I'm like an expert at this at all. Finding like things I'm not good at, like constantly, but mm-hmm. like I think reading has helped that a lot. Like, and I've kind of like cycled. I like there's like one point where I just read nothing but self help, and I feel like that's because I was like trying to figure out like feel like I needed motivation to do stuff, and then I read one book, and the book itself kind of sucked. It was like a one percent principle. Mm-hmm. I read it in like an hour. It was because I skipped a lot of it. Yeah. And it was like the only thing I took from it. And that's really what like I kind of started to think that every book I read, I should go into it knowing what I want to take from it. Yeah. And so the one thing I took from that book was it had this little like diagram and it had motivation written out and it had action. Mm -hmm. And it was like most people think that like a motivation leads to an action. And there was like, well, what really happens is when you don't have motivation leading to an action, you need to take an action. And if you keep taking enough actions, well, then it'll build on your motivation yeah. or at least create discipline, which like subverts motivation yeah. and wins every time. And so once I like, uh, like started to learn that, I was like, well, I really don't need self-help books. Yeah. Like you can only have like so many like. I don't want to say feel good moments, but like people like telling you like, Oh, you can do great. You know what I mean? And then it just becomes like the same thing over and over and over. So then what I started doing was I just started reading a lot of like psychology, learning why people think certain ways. And then also just reading a lot of like, I didn't read a lot of biographies, but I would read a lot about uh, people's stories and like a lot of like kind of philosophy around that. And I feel like when you have those three types of books, you learn why people think a certain way you learn like, how to look at stuff in a different way. But then you also learn about like how people went through different things. So you don't have to go through those things yourself. And I thought that was really cool. But don't you think it's harder to apply that wisdom when you haven't gone through it yourself? Yes and no. Really? So that's where I think the philosophy kind of helps. Like it's kind of like when you learn, you learn about a concept and then you learn how that was implied. And then based on that, you're able to internalize it and use it later on. There was one that was really good. I thought it was so cool. It was um, you. It's like hypothetical. You spent fifteen hundred dollars to go on like a weekend trip with somebody, and then over the course of time, before this trip comes up, it's non-refundable. You know, you've already paid for it. You turn out you both hate each other. Maybe it was like a breakup or something. Do you spend? Do you go on the trip even though you're not going to have fun just because you spent fifteen hundred dollars? Or do you stay at home and just lose the $1,500? Are you asking me this question? Can I ask us some questions? Yeah, go ahead. Is if I go on the trip, is it certain that my partners or my ex-partner is also going to go on the trip? Yeah. So they might even go on the trip without me. Yeah. And I hate them. Yeah. I can't stand them. You guys can't be. They're not a person that I want to be around. Don't want to be around. I would, I would, I would give the $1,500 up. Yeah. That's what I would do. Why? Because at this point in my life, $1,500 is a lot of fucking money, but it nothing is worth my well-being. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it was like, um, so, so like, like the answer, it was, I think it was, uh, Warren Buffett. This is what it's from Warren Buffett talking. 
is basically saying, okay, if you go on the trip, you just spent $1,500 to be miserable. Yeah. If you don't go on the trip, you spent $1,500 to get the freedom to do whatever you want that weekend yeah. and to be happy, yeah. the potential to be happy, you know? Yeah. And so it's like, if you're digging a hole, I keep on digging when you want to get out of it. And so it's like the, the sunken time fallacy. Mm-hmm. So you could like read a story about like somebody who like sunk a time fallacy mm-hmm. and learn, okay, well, I need to not do that anymore. And then you start looking at the stuff that you're doing in your own life and deciding, okay, is this something that I want to keep doing just because it's supposedly easy, but really it's not what I want to do mm-hmm. or like I'm wasting more time and it's taken away. It's taken away time and resources away from what I could be doing. Mm-hmm. And so that's like, that's like some of the stuff that I started to figure out from these books. Mm-hmm. Right. I think other people are better at seeing what you're good at and what you're not good at. And that's one of the are. things it says to do is like reflect with other people. Cause like, cause like, um, I don't know. I feel like I'm the, the worst person to talk about this. Cause I know, like, I'm sure you've seen it. I know my family talks about it and Sharon talks about it, how like, like my biggest hobby is like new hobbies. Yeah. Like trying new things. Like I always have a new thing. <laughs> yeah. But like doing that, I figured out a lot of stuff that I'm not good at. And like the other day, um, they were joking around and they were like, oh, you, uh, you don't finish things. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I don't finish things. But like also I win, I know when to like keep pursuing something and when yeah. not to pursue something. And I think that's just like a big one is knowing what or you don't, what you do or don't want. Mm-hmm. There's There's a lot of wisdom there and it matches up with other wisdom that I've read in other places. So like you were talking about how important it is to have purpose. And I just, I recently read a a different person with a very strange name, Johan Hari. I recently read his book, Lost Connections. And he talks about how anxiety and depression and addiction, which are particularly um, like large, have, have a particularly large impact on the community that, that I live in and that you live in. He makes basically the argument that the reason that people are anxious and depressed is because they feel disconnected from these very, very specific and basic needs that all human beings have. But basically, it challenges this idea that we seem to have about anxiety, depression, and specifically addiction. We think of it as kind of like an illness, um, which it is. It is a it's a disease in the sense that you're not at ease. Um, but it's also a natural reaction to a state of being. He says that it's a natural reaction to despair. If you are desperate because you have lost your sense of purpose, you've lost your connection to community, you've lost your connection to meaningful work. And he lays out all of these examples of ways that, that these things are true and, and they they, they make a whole lot of sense. Well, so, um, well, you were talking about like um, the whole despair and everything. Um, there was a really good book called Everything is Obvious. Oh. And it was basically the whole idea of it. It gets pretty in-depth. It was a very hard book to read, how yeah. in-depth it gets. But it, it was basically talking about common sense really isn't real. It's basically just your – it's basically like um, Monday – or was it, what's the phrase like – armchair quarterback or like, yeah, yeah. Hindsight is 2020. Basically you basically were able to figure out the, the reasons why things happen based on the information we have after it happened. But that information isn't good indicators of why it happened during the moments of when it happened. I see. Yeah. So like some of the ones it gave was like, 
why is the Mona Lisa f- a famous artwork? It's like, is it because it's like really well painted? Well, I mean, like there's better paintings out there that aren't as famous. Was it because it was of like a really famous person? No, no, it wasn't. It was just like somebody's wife. And it was like, and it went through of like how it became like super famous. Mm-hmm. And it was like, well, can you apply those same steps to other paintings and make them famous? Well, you mm-hmm. couldn't. It was like. So let me see if I can articulate your point. Basically, your point is you have an experience and then later you look back on it and you attribute all of these reasons to why it happened. But it, those are all BS. Yeah. Or like, yeah. And it could have just been by chance. It could have just completely, but yeah. but you have to try to find a meaning in why it happened. People yeah. have to. Yeah. It was like, another one was, um, Paul Revere. Yeah. It was like, why was Paul Revere well known? And the other writer who went the opposite way, mm-hmm. not as well known. And it was like, well, it just so happened that Paul Revere had the same, it wasn't because he was more brave than anybody else. Yeah. It wasn't because he was a better writer than anyone else. Right. It was because those people that he rode to tell were closer to the enemy. And so they had to take more action, whereas the people who were further away, the other guy told, and they were just kind of like, well, it'd, it'd be a while before they get here. Yeah. So it's like it wasn't as significant. Also, Paul Revere's dad was a famous was famous silversmith. There you go. So it could also have just been that he was already famous. So yeah, people knew Nobody him. wanted to fucking talk about yeah. Steve Smith, who yeah. rode the horse the other direction. Yeah. Jebediah Clark. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> Hey guys, we'll get back to the show in just a second. If you haven't noticed, I've kind of gotten to this habit of making ads for people who I know who have small businesses. And so today I want to talk to you about another friend of mine who has a little small side hustle. She's a teacher like me, and I've known her for a very long time. Her name is Miss Lindsay Cahill. Lindsay's pretty much been an artist since I've known her. She painted a bunch of stuff that's hanging in PRP High School. I used to see it all the time when I was working there. And turns out she actually has her own side business where she sells art. She does a lot of cool stuff. Her Instagram page is called Lens Full Art. It's L-I-N-D-S-F-U-L-A-R-T. And you can see all kinds of stuff that she has for sale on there. She has necklaces and earrings. She has full-on paintings. And they're cool. They're like themed. They've got derby themes and they've got holiday themes, Louisville themes. There's animals. It's all kinds of colors, all kinds of fun. It's exactly like Lindsay. Bright, eclectic. It's really cool stuff. So that's Lens Full Art, L-I-N-D-S-F-U-L-A-R-T. If you want to check out all the stuff that she's got going on Instagram. And you should also check out her Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash Lens Cahill Art, L-I-N-D-S-C-A-H-I-L-L-A-R-T. If you want to see some of the other cool stuff she's got going on, and if you want to reach out to her, I think she's probably available at both places. So if you're looking for an awesome gift for mom or sister and you want to get some custom jewelry that you couldn't get anywhere else, check out her Instagram page, check out her Facebook. If you're looking for a cool door hanger or anything like that, these are perfect gifts. It's the kind of stuff you'd see at St. James Art Fair. So go check out her Instagram page at LensFullArt and her Facebook page at LensKHillArt. So that's L-I-N-D-S-F-U-L-A-R-T for her Instagram page. That's L-I-N-D-S-C-A-H-I-L-L-A-R-T for her Facebook page. Check out all of her cool stuff. She's got pictures. She's got videos. She's got jewelry. She's got all kinds of cool arts and crafts. Go check those things out and show her some love. All right, let's get back to the show. 
you're very responsible for me meeting my wife. And yeah. you know that. Yeah. I mean, you were in my wedding for that very reason. Not because I liked you. Yeah, pretty, pretty much I think. If it wasn't for me, you wouldn't have met her. That's pr- yeah. yeah. I mean, face that's let's just put to be as conceited as I can. No, to be as true to the the reality of the situation as you can. I will say, you wouldn't have met her. No, but I probably have no. You did everything else. Let's put that yeah, I think here. I did let's everything else. Yeah. yeah, but you know what? That's I would never have the chance to do everything else. Yeah. Actually, you know what? I didn't do everything else. She did a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but. Um, Basically, the story of me meeting my wife is you and I were both single. I had just come out of a long-term relationship. You and I were both single at the same time, and you were active in the dating game. I was not, but you had more game than me, so I thought, I'm going to hang out with Dave because Dave definitely will help put me in situations where meeting a girl will be possible. And I was ready maybe for the first time in a very long time to actually be trying to meet a girl and like build a relationship with a girl. Um, cause I was finally over this super long term emotional relationship that I'd had since I was like in my teens and we were going out a lot, not, not having very much success. Oh, you we were crashing and burning. Yeah, it was bad. I mean, we were getting a lot of phone numbers, but sometimes they were fake. Yeah. I definitely got a fake you number. You could remember their names. <laughs> Well, that was just me just being inconsiderate. I just want to, I, w- I want to tell that story first. Okay, let's tell it. Go ahead and tell it. Okay. So, <laughs> going out with Mitchell, having a wingman, I watched Mitchell forget a girl's name. Was it the same girl? No, it was, it was, it was back to back. That's what it was. Two t- was it two or three times? It was twice. Yeah, it was twice. So, the first time, I get it. We were, I think I had, I had shown up to this place. Um, it was tap room. Yeah, it was tap room. That was our main spot. Yeah. I'd shown up to this place, and I was like, going to get something to eat. Yeah. And I was like, Mitch, show up whenever you want, but get here as soon as you can, because <laughs> there's these really two hot girls oh, yeah. having dinner, right? And finally, you show up, and I'm like, all right, here's the plan. You know, we'll, we'll kind of keep with the plan. You know, the plan's just like, go up, say, hey, oh, can we just stay here, you know, mm-hmm. and then uh, start talking to them. So we did it. It worked. They were like ready to talk to us. You yeah. talked to one. You knew the one you wanted to talk to. I knew the one I wanted to talk to. They were both like super receptive yeah it was it was kind of loud so i get it you know we're talking we're talking we go to leave i get my girl's number mm-hmm. you go to get your girl's number you call her the wrong name i did now to your defense do you remember her name yeah her name was meredith meredith i remember her name i remember her name for two reasons i called her mary beth didn't yeah I? you called her mary beth Aww. because of how bad it was <laughs> because like it was just like everything is screech halted <laughs> Like Scary. I knew, I noticed. She noticed, obviously, and then her friend noticed. I called her maybe, and I was like, "Oh no, Mitchell, you just ruined for both of us." Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully, she was like, "It's okay, it's loud," because it was loud. Yeah, but it wasn't loud when we first started talking. No, she gave your number. I think that that didn't pan out. And I, I, I dogged you hard on that one. Yes, you did. So hard that yeah, I, I deserved you, it. That you never would figure it out. That you never, they would never have it again. Yes. Can I say though that? She had a very specific job and never would have worked out with us. Yeah, anyway. I never worked out. Yeah. But anyway. Yeah. So, yes. And I think the girl that me- I was talking to at that point, like, left the country like two days later. Yeah. So, but, so then, so this actually leads up to the story of you meeting your wife. Yeah. 
So then the next time we went out, like I think the next Friday mm-hmm. and I was talking to you so hard on, I was like, you know, you can't do that. You got to remember their name. Mm-hmm. If you need the name, ask me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So we saw these two girls like sitting by themselves and we were like, oh, let's go over there and talk to them. And you're like, we even came up with thing with like signals that if you forgot their name, whatever we go talk to them, they went to the bathroom. You we were like, dude, what's her name? Mm-hmm. You kept asking me her name or no, you know, you asked me her name once I told you, but then I think I got a little inebriated to where I started to forget their names. <laughs> Did you tell me their own names? And you told me, no, you told me their names. <laughs> so I thought at this point you knew their names, right? And I gave you this, <laughs> I gave you this tip. I said, if you can't remember their name, hand them your phone so they enter their own name into yeah. it, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so the night goes on, we're all talking. I like went to the bathroom one point, came back, was like, Mitch, what's her name? You told me. The girl I was talking to his name and the other girl's name. So I thought you were good. I thought you were golden, right? Well, then we go to leave because they're going to stay until 4. We were like, it's like 2 a.m. We're like, all right, we got to get out of here. Yeah. Um, we go to leave. I'm like, do the phone thing, you know? So you do. You entered the wrong name into your phone. I did. And then I handed it to her. Well, here's the thing, Dave. We had confirmed multiple times throughout the evening that this was this girl's name yeah and so i was feeling pretty confident (laughs) so i thought do i hand her the phone with no name in there and let her think i don't know her name yeah or because i was confident that i knew her name do i put her name in yeah and well it was the wrong name yeah so so. crash and burn yeah okay Uh, so that's the first part so that'll be the first part going into the meeting uh your now wife the other one was you would always talk about education to all these girls. Yes. And I would never see girls lose interest so quickly <laughs> that when you started talking about education. And it got to the point where you'd talk to so many girls about it and they would just like ditch us. That there was one time this one girl was super into it, but you weren't into her. Really? Yeah. I don't think, I think you were like, you were super drunk at this point. Oh, really? One night. I think we just like went out. It was, it was like the night before. It might have been the night before uh, Derby. Or something. I remember it was like it was like crazy night, mm-hmm. but uh, I don't this. we go out and like you're talking to all these girls about education. They're all like walking away. Yeah. We got to go to the bathroom thing. Well, this one girl, she's like super into it, talking to you about it. Yeah. And at one point, you come up to me, and go, "I like her, but she's annoying." <laughs> <laughs> she keeps talking about education. <laughs> we get <laughs> we get into the Uber later on, and you're like. Uh, you're like, man, I can never get any girls' numbers. I was like, you literally had a girl like begging to give you her number, but you went because she said she was annoying for talking about education. <laughs> that was so mad. All right, so this leads up to you and your wife. Wait, was she cute, Dave? Yeah, she was cute. Damn, what the fuck was that? Yeah. Oh, well, I'm glad it didn't work out. Yeah, yeah. It's probably better it didn't work out. Yeah, that, Sarah. yeah She's it worked amazing. out nice, yeah. So this all leads up to, I think, a couple weeks later. A couple weeks later... We go out. Normally, we, we do karaoke. Yeah. You know, you want to do karaoke. I'm a fan of karaoke. Yeah. Well, we get there, and you're like, man, I don't really feel like being out. And I'm like, look, we came out here to talk to women. I was grumpy. Let's go somewhere to talk to women. I think you were just grumpy because, you know, it's hard to, like, strike out that many times. Yeah. And, and we had gone out the night before. Yeah. And struck yeah, out. that's what it was. Yeah. And, um, and this night, it was rainy and gloomy. Yeah. And I just wasn't feeling it. You weren't feeling it. I was like, look, let's go to O'Shea's. 
There's always tons of women at O'Shea's. We'll just talk to some. I like O'Shea's because you could dance at O'Shea's. Yeah, and I was like, look, you can dance? I think I even said that. I was like, I'll pay for your cover. Mm, you did. So we went, I paid for the cover. We get in there and you're like, nobody's dancing. You're like, man, I really just want to go. I'm like, look, if we'll talk to one group of girls, you pick out who. If they reject us, we'll leave. We'll, we'll go do something else. If they don't, then good. We've talked to girls and they want to talk to us. Well, then you turn, you point to a girl in a blue dress, and we walked up to her, and it was Sarah. Mm-hmm. She still has that blue dress. She does, so that's good. So we start talking to her. I think I asked her about six times what her name was in front of you. It's like, what's your name? Oh, Sarah? Sarah what? <laughs> and she said it over and over and over. And then, she's, and then she kept talking about education with you, and I was like, yep. Then Mitch going to date her. She seemed very... Yeah, did you think that really? Yeah. You thought that? Yeah. Wow. So you knew immediately. I was like, Mitch is going to date her probably. Wow. Yeah. That's wild. Because you want to know... I remember thinking the whole situation felt very weird because she was just very... Seemed very interested in me from the very beginning. Yeah. Isn't that weird? Yeah. Why would she be interested in me, Dave? I don't know. She was like... <laughs> it was. <laughs> I really don't know. <laughs> something we all ask ourselves every day <laughs> so we were uh i remember you got her number yeah or you, cha- you exchanged numbers and literally the moment we left it was so annoying because you're like should i text her should i text her right now should i text her right now and then she texted you like 30 minutes later i think i texted her first did now, you wait, no, I, no think, I think she texted you i gave her my phone no i think you no 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 you texted her and I was like, that was, that was a mistake. She's going to think you're needy, all this stuff. <laughs> and she texted you right away. You guys are talking. She did. Yeah. It's it's crazy. I don't still fully understand why she's married to me, but it's yeah. the best thing that's ever happened to me. Yeah. And I tell her that, and she doesn't believe me for some reason. <laughs> I don't know. It's weird. But I... Uh, Stockholm Syndrome or something. Maybe. Maybe yeah. I, got, I got her tricked somehow. Yeah. I feel like there's no way... But it's cool. And I was really glad that you were able to be in my wedding. Yeah. I appreciate you being in my wedding. It's a good wedding. It's pretty. Mm-hmm. What time is it? Oh, it's probably late. Yeah, almost six o'clock. Yeah, feeling like wrapping this up? Yeah. Cool. Well, hey, man, thank you so much for coming over. This was yeah. fun. That was a lot of fun. This was maybe one of the more fun ones that I've done. Yeah, we're going to have to do it again sometime. For sure. Yeah. We got to do it again. So uh, we can talk about that off the air, though. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming over, dude. Yeah, no problem. All right, man. Yeah. I love you. Love you too, man. Bye. See ya. And there it is. That's the end of the show. I hope you guys enjoyed listening to my conversation with Dave. I really feel lucky to have been able to have that conversation with him. It's really difficult to put into words how much these conversations have meant to me and how awesome it's been to get to have these conversations with my friends. And now I've even started having conversations with people whom I don't know that well. And and those are so much fun and, and they're challenging in a different and, and interesting way. And I'm learning so much. And I just hope that I keep getting the chance to do these with people. So if you're interested in making a podcast with me, please, like always, reach out and let me know. And I'm going to keep reaching out to you guys. If you know anybody who you think would enjoy listening to the podcast, please share it with them. That'll be awesome. I love you. I hope the rest of your day is amazing. Bye. Bye.